Hello, everyone. This is uh, Andrew Kohinka of Can You Colloquy, and this is episode nine of the show. This week's episode features Casey, Jack, and the spirit of Cam at their sides, all of Rocco English, local Orlando Matthew Indie Rock Act. Rocco English legends, legends of the scene. Uh, they have been gracing uh, stages across Florida with their presence, their energy for for four, five odd years now. They've been together since since uh, 2016. Uh, a lot of DIY recordings out there. A couple self or self-recorded DIY recorded albums or EPs, rather. There's some singles, all of it leading up to a self-titled farewell album, Rocco English. You know, following in the tradition of naming a self-titled project after the artist that released it. Uh, it was released this year, 2021, April 20th, I believe. Uh, it was produced by Kyle Hoffer. Uh, the album came out perfect. It, In my opinion, it was everything uh, one could have hoped for. Of three best pals, artists... Uh, showcasing, you know, their journey up until this point, uh, putting everything that they've learned and experienced into one, one celebratory album, uh, one one big project that encapsulates Rocco English, the the Orlando, the spirit of the Orlando scene, if you will. Honestly, it it's truly a testament to what. You can do with some some elbow grease, dedication, and you know, of course, some talent. Incredibly talented dudes. Casey's one of the best guitar players I know. Jack, best drummer this side of the Mississippi, and Cam shredding it on the bass, staying in that pocket. Backing up the wackiness of the guitar, matched by the energy of the bass, just keeping it anchored, everything holding it down. And that's what the self-titled Rocco English Project is. I highly recommend you listen to it if you haven't. If you're listening to this, you probably have already listened to it. And if that's the case, go listen to it again. In preparation... For their farewell show on Monday, June 21st at Uncle Lou's. Doors at 7, show starts around 8. It's going to be free, donation-based, uh, pay what you want at the door, save money for cash, save money for merchandise, save money for cash. You're going to need it when the credit fails. Set up by eternal supporter of the Orlando scene, Marshall of Montgomery Drive, uh, helped put this little this little send off together. Uh, Jen in the Right Light will be supporting them. Adam Dive, uh, my band, will be 
also featured on the lineup. I am beyond honored. These are some of the kindest, nicest fellows I've ever met. Really cool dudes. Sad to see him go, but uh, I this is going to be great. I'm a, I'm I'm really hoping that uh, Orlando really shows up, shows some love for uh, one of the greatest uh, Orlando acts to to come up in in recent years. So uh, I can say no more. And without further ado, Rocco English, enjoy the show. I'm Andrew Kohinka. I'm here with Rocco English, and you are? I'm Jack Yazgor, and I play the drums. I'm Casey Brock, and I play guitar. And Cameron Kaiser isn't here. He's in Macon, Georgia, but together, the his, trifecta. His spirit is here with us. Yeah. I can feel his presence. <laughs> it's a big presence. Yeah. It's a lot of love. I can really feel the love through uh, your guys' history, just kind of, you know, getting my notes together and everything. You guys have been together forever, it seems like, playing around, like, the entire state of Florida. Yeah, yeah just Florida. Just Florida? Just Florida. Never been out of state. Never. Any plans to play out of state? We're on indefinite hiatus for right now, so it's tough. It's tough. Well, you guys started sometime back in 2016, right? Yeah. You're all from South Florida, but did you guys start the band there, or did you meet somewhere else? We, we met um, in Orlando. Well, we started, like you said, 2016. Um, that was sophomore year. Um, we were all friends freshman year, but we started the band sophomore year for sure. I remember we were still in an apartment, so it was pretty difficult. Um, but me and Casey, we've known each other for a long time. Um, you probably didn't get... If you got this far, I'd be surprised. But me and Casey had a band in eighth grade. Yeah, yeah we the pajama people. Don't even look it up. I hope, I, I hope I've done my work and it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> that shit is embarrassing. You can look up pajama people. We covered, you know, Arctic Monkeys. What else did we cover? There was some Block Party. Block Party. Classic. Yeah, exactly. It makes so, a lot of sense. Yeah, it was pretty chill. Yeah, but, so we, we, were just, we were just hanging out. And um, I think the first iteration, well, we went through so many iterations, but Rocco English really started. Um, I had a friend at um, Sade, actually, and we were in a club. And to raise money for the club, you know, we'd have fundraiser parties, and there were actually some house shows going on. And I was in the club, so I was helping organize these shows, and we weren't really in a band yet. We were always messing around playing music through some other iterations, so we can get into that. But there's there's some there's a, there's a long lineup to yeah previous band names. We'll start, we'll start <laughs> with the Rocco. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Cam was playing in another band, mm-hmm. and that band was pretty mu- was was people were moving. That band was sort of ending, and I was like, we need a bass player. And I just re- reached out to Cam. He grew up um 20 minutes from us down in South Florida, but we never knew him until we were up at college. We met him at UCF, um, and just, I was like, hey, Sade, if I uh, somehow make a band, can we play this house show? And so we just randomly, we just threw, we just threw it together. Um, our first set, I think we had three originals, 
and three covers. And now that I remember, actually me and Casey and Avery, because Rocco English actually started as a four piece. Yeah, we used to have two guitars. Yeah. But. And uh, yeah, we, me and Casey spent that summer in between freshman and sophomore year when we had written three songs and we showed them to the boys and we fleshed them out and that was how the band started just total like on a whim like let's do this yeah and we didn't have a car everyone gave us rides everywhere um we you would walk down the street with skateboards. Oh, yes yep. shout out to jonathan yes, he you. let us borrow their garage where they were making hoops like uh they were into hooping so and they would sell a lot of them and their production garage they let us set up and it was like a mile down the road from where we lived at night circle at it was at another Top apartment yeah so we would have to walk all our gear with the help of skateboards oh, thank god i kept most of the drum stuff there i would keep like my snare drum my cymbals so i'd, I'd carry some stuff with me sometimes yeah but it was a labor of love, practicing in the garage with no AC and walking there. And I hogged the back. fan. We had one fan. I hogged that shit. Drummer gets the fan. Drummer always gets the fan. Drummer gets hot. That's all, dude. They're doing a lot of moving and stuff, exercise. Yeah. So that's that's early Rocco. Definitely like 2016, 2017. Yep. A lot of covers, a lot of early stuff. Um. Before we even were able to practice at Jonathan's, <laughs> we were um, we were just straight up practicing in our apartment. Um, I didn't have the full drum set up, but I had a cajon that I was pretty much using as a bass drum. I want to say I had like a t-shirt over the snare drums. I had towels over the cymbals, but like it was it was technically a real ass drum set, and we had amps going and. Uh, our neighbors never said anything to us, which is unfortunate. I totally understand, because, like, what the fuck were we doing? But we, a few days into it, we get a knock on the door and a letter. And our, um, our, our first noise complaint was a warning that we, if we did it kept continuing, we were going to get evicted. So that ended real soon. I think we, um, our at least the first show, maybe the second, was done just rehearsing like that. I remember being so worried about our first show because I hadn't like actually played the drums. Like I wasn't playing at full volume. I was like, how am I going to do this? And then somehow it it happened. Yeah. But then um, we started practicing at Jonathan's and that was amazing. Yeah. Fake it till you make it. That's it. Rock those That's first. Uh, Everyone's got to fake it till they make it. That's it. Uh -huh. Were you a theater kid? No, I just seem like I should be. He was. I technically was. I, I wasn't an actor. I was a technician. Um, JPT, Troop 3502 represent. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, was a, I was a stage manager at the end, so I was pretty into it, all the technical aspects. The first show, was it the Halloween 2016 house show, or was that already I that might have been a couple shows deep. It was deep. a couple shows. Yeah, it was maybe two or three shows before it. But yeah, Halloween house shows pretty darn, pretty darn far back. I hosted one of those. That was um, that was years eighteen. Later. Yeah. That was yeah. That was at my house. That was awesome. That was the that was the biggest party I've ever thrown. We had like close to a hundred people show up over the night. The cops multiple times. We had a band, Tongues of Fire from Asheville. Yeah. North Carolina, they stopped by. They played three shows that night, including ours. So that was epic of them. 
You guys ever played multiple shows in one night? No. 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 Almost. We, I think we had plans to do at least one doubleheader, but something happened and it didn't. It just seems so daunting, like having to play a set, then tear down, set yeah, out. It takes enough for me to play one show. Yeah. There was, there was one house show we played in 2018 where I played in three of the bands and Jack played in two. And I didn't realize until, like, Chris Dreyfus, resident historian of the Orlando music scene, gave me the tape. But I played in Juicy Tapes, and then Rocco played, and Mother Moose played Mother with Moose. Charlie. Yeah, I was in Mother Moose. Yeah, we were the rhythm section for Mother Moose. And so, yeah, we played three sets in one night one time, but different bands. <laughs> Crazy. So you also play bass. I wanted to bring that up. You guys used to swap instruments mid-set, correct? Yeah. Yeah, like whoever wrote the song, yeah, whoever wrote the song used to play guitar, and um, yeah, I mean, Cam just kind of slowed down on writing, and I kept, you know, writing a lot, so it wound up being mostly me playing guitar, but I love bass. Bass is like my favorite instrument, like... One day I'm gonna buy a bass. One day. Yeah. I gotta buy real drums first. <laughs> What are you using now? Oh, um, I've been using... It's funny, because like I said, when I was playing on... I was literally playing on... on I had a pot and a bucket our freshman year. That was pre-Rocco. But I was searching on Craigslist. Pro tip, always buy used gear. It's going to be pretty much the same quality for less than half the price, kids. Don't, don't, don't buy new stuff unless you have a lot of money. Yeah. And even then, like, come on. But, so I found... I was searching. A lot of the people on Craigslist want to charge like a million dollars for a pile of shit. But I found this one dude, and he actually, the ad was for three different drum sets, like junker kits. And he was like 150 bucks for all three. And I just reached out to him. And I'm not trying to like hoard a bunch of crap because I was still in an apartment. And I was like, hey, can I just get one? And he's like, yeah, 50 bucks. And I was expecting like 100 bucks. But I've been playing the same $50 drum kit forever. It's no brand there's no tags on it i want to say it's probably made in japan um hopefully i mean I, I think i honestly think it's made in japan it's supposed to be like a ludwig but it's not obviously not i want to say it's three ply but as long as you got good drum heads and you know how to tune you'll be pretty fine and i've gotten away with it you know invest in your cymbals invest in your snare drum get some good pedals Get a good throne. Don't overlook your throne. I have an okay throne. I've been meaning to upgrade, but See yeah, I just played on a pile of crap. Cover your ass, dude. Get a good throne. <laughs> if you're uncomfortable while playing, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Someone once said um, the three biggest things to drumming is where you're sitting, what you're sitting on, and what your feet are on. That's the total feel, and your drumsticks too. Just what's actually the instruments in between you and the and the instrument. Yeah, I've. I don't. I mess around on drums and yeah, like using someone else's kick pedal or like no a hi-hat pedal, yeah, it's whack. No thanks. There have been many times where people will be like, hey, you can use our stuff and I'll, I'll be like, thanks, and I'll end up bringing my own anyway. It's just a comfort thing. You mess up less when you're more familiar with your instrument. Did you use that same rinky-dink kit for the self-titled album? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We could we could have used a different drum kit, but I opted not to. I mean, it's just something I'm familiar with. Um, 
I had to actually convince our producer. He wanted me to change, swap out the heads the day before. I'm like, nah, I'm swapping them out a week before. We compromised on that week too, but I want to beat them in. I want to work them out. I want to make any adjustments like every day in between then and tune it up. Um, so yeah, I, was just, I just wanted to be familiar and comfortable as possible. I couldn't even tell that uh, you use such like a cheap set that like in your opinion for that you sound. You can tune and honestly a lot of it is just like the actual musician like you can make something sound good for sure yeah so you guys worked with kyle hoffner on that one correct correct yes yeah offer offer my bad yeah. apology yeah he uh engineered and produced it for us yeah what was it like working with him because you guys did diy recordings before then correct for your previous uh, we've recorded so many times so many times yeah, we have four releases um we've probably we've recorded over a dozen times i lost count but i mean whatever your diy recording not everything gets used yeah i mean there's a couple songs like oh man and wildlife crossing like on the record that's easily the fourth time we've recorded it so it was just it was the reason so we had like a budget and we we're like all right let's we want to do an album cam's leaving this is even pre-covid we were like let's like let's like put an end to this chapter of Rocco with a record and we had a budget and with that budget we could either like pay someone to help us record or we could have bought like recording gear and continued doing it ourselves and we opted for someone else to do it and I think it's the right decision I think there's so much that you don't have to think about when someone else is like setting up the mics and like getting the signal chain good and checking the gain staging and like you're just like, oh yeah, I just gotta nail my part, like, and like you can get in that headspace where you're like, actually, I'm gonna try something new, cause like, when we were doing the the DIY stuff, the only stuff we did completely on our own was our our adventure, adventure of Indenture Dan EP. Yeah. Uh, we did that all on our own with one USB Casey mic. Casey produced that. Yeah. Casey's got a long history of producing music, so yeah. it, it paid off there. Yeah, but like doing that, like I'd get so frustrated, like having, because I, like getting it all set up and like not even knowing if it's gonna sound right, and then like if I mess up, it's like oh my god, what a pain in the ass. So, because we we try to do everything in like long takes, like we don't necessarily like comping. The goal is one take for one, sure. Yeah, one take, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just really awesome to get to work with someone else who like knew what they were doing and like being able to just stay in the creative space instead of getting in the technical area. Like it's very distinct and like we really wanted to capture the sound of us playing in a room together and like it helped a lot to just be able to like play and like not worry about the rest, you know? Like yeah. Did you record live for that or was it individual hybrid yeah we did so like we did the drums so live we had it all mic'd up in a room and then cam and i were also in that room and cam was di'd and then my amp was in another room and we kept doing live full takes like throughout the day we did a full day of live takes for all of it and then like those are the drum takes we used and then we went back and retracked the guitars and bass and vocals separately again but it was so great like on the first day we were done and like you could sit down and it 
like obviously like there was only one guitar so we take the two guitar takes and pan them out but like after one day's of work you'd be like wow this is like a full like album like we did it like yeah so pretty cool and you said like uh i had talked to you previously you said that the um David Burns' Helm Music Works uh, had a big yeah. impact on your approach to the recording this time around as opposed to trying to keep it sounding as live as possible yeah. and just utilizing the studio as an instrument. So how did that kind of play into the recording process and how did you guys feel about the end product? Yeah, I mean, I'm the only one who read that yeah, book. Yeah. Background. Uh, so David Byrne, writer for the Talking Heads, he has a book called How Music Works. This book yeah. actually, and that first chapter is really cool. It talks about how like basically animals like in the wild like make different sounds based on the ecosystem they live in, and like bands develop their sounds based on like the the venues they play in coming up. So there's a whole nother chapter about recording, and the first thing he talked about was about how a lot of young bands like just want to get their live sound on record like they just want that one-to-one -one ratio and it's just it's impossible basically is what he said and that hurt me a lot to read he's like basically it's impossible because a studio recording is just a totally different animal than being in a live room like hearing things like yourself so you can do it like you can get that sound but you're not you're gonna have to finesse it and you have to treat it like it's a different thing like you can't just be like we're gonna get in a room and play together so that's we kind of just like took like in terms of how that affected the record like it meant like it, okay like we're gonna use these live drum takes but we're gonna re-record the guitars and we're gonna re-record the bass and we're gonna get it sounding like really tight just to, and we're gonna still have that energy of the live take but we're not necessarily like sacrificing the integrity of our art because we like comped a guitar solo like yeah it's just letting go of that like false ideal of like i don't know having like real cred by doing something like one way and like realizing you're making a piece of art and like there's you know a ton of ways to skin a cat so yeah. nice way to put it the live goal Recording live, the goal is definitely just to capture the energy. That's the best way to describe it. Speaking of David Byrne, I'm going to go on record here and, and kind of say that you resemble him. Now I was looking at it, I was, physically? yeah, physically, you look like David Byrne. He's an attractive man. I'll take it. I didn't want to say that, but I mean, if it's on the table, uh, do you, have you ever gotten that before? No. I, oh. I've gotten a lot of Ezra Koenig from Vampire Weekend, Koenig, but that's about it. That's about it. Never got David Byrne. It's very nice. I appreciate it. <laughs> I was taking my notes and I was like, wow, this guy actually does look like David Byrne. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's a selection bias towards being a front person and looking a certain way. Speaking of inspirations and stuff like that, you mentioned that you guys were kind of you know, you came up on wacky sounding stuff, you know, went through kind of like experimental phases, pop phases. Uh, I heard a lot of that in, in this album. I heard some Jeff Rosenstock and vocal delivery and arrangement. I heard some Animal Collective just in your guitarist tone and kind of the approach to like timing and stuff like that. Definitely some Tokyo Police Club. So what were some of the influences going into this eulogy of a record as you've 
described it once or twice before. Oh, geez. I mean, as Casey mentioned earlier, how some songs like Amen have been recorded four times. Every one of these songs is from a different time period in our history. And just being like really passionate musicians, we're always finding new music. I mean, I had a pop punk phase, but like now I'm just into nerdy stuff. Um, it's really hard to nail down any one influence. Um, of course, a big one is Modest Mouse. I think that's been a constant throughout all of the years. Definitely Modest Mouse. Modest Mouse cover band? Yeah, I think we're just the glorified <laughs> we, Modest yeah. Mouse cover band. We've covered a couple of Modest Mouse songs. In the, in the early days, whenever we didn't have enough original stuff to fill a whole set, we would do like half originals, half covers. We've done it several Modest Mouse covers. We've done multiple Modest Mouse covers in one set. That's yep. what I found <laughs> listening back. Uh, the tapes. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah, listening to the Dreyfus tapes. We've played mm -hmm. multiple Modest Mouse covers in one set. So Let's yeah. See. One chance and shit luck. Out of gas. Out of gas, I meant not shit luck. Um, those are the only two? Yeah, those I are the only two. two. Yeah. We, did, we only we we maybe got up to eight total covers, we, maybe ten. Yeah, we stopped playing covers pretty quickly. Unless it was fun. Unless it was a fun song like Interpol. I forget what song we played by Interpol. Um, did we do what an Interpol song? Obviously, I think a huge influence. Evil. We yeah, did evil, evil for Pedro's birthday. A lot of times when people would host um, shows for us, and let's say there was a birthday going on, we would always make sure to play a cover that that person enjoyed. We've done Evil by Interpol. We've done Flowers Everywhere by Balkans. I want to say we've done more, too. Yeah. But... I think going into the record, a big band for us was like Palm. Like we love the band Palm. Like Palm uh, yeah. has got a total Palm vibe, like walkie-talkie. Yeah, we ate Palm pretty hard. Um, yeah, I just, I just wanted the record to be organic. I really like real sounding things. I really like found sounds and like, I mean, a lot of that's Animal Collective, obviously, like they'll just stick a mic on anything and yep. pull it out. Um, How'd they get, a, I think in, a, it was either Painting With or Meriwether, they got their bass tone, like the bass drum tone by literally like beating a pool noodle. Yeah, that, was, <laughs> that was Painting With, yeah. They had like a children's pool set up in the in the studio and they just whack it yeah it's um yeah i mean we yeah just as different i feel like we'd get in different writing phases as time would go on but like we were definitely a lot noisier back in the day like the the ding dong fang stuff like we used to be very we used to have huge half stacks and like just blow people's ears out and like I, as time got on I think we got a little more refined like I think we started playing quieter kind of like you could hear the vocals I think that was a big deal for us as time went on and listening to each other obviously as we played together more we learned to listen speaking of hearing the vocals I never knew I learned well over half of the vocals once we recorded. I didn't know any of these words before. Some, I, whenever we'd play shows, I'd be like, all right, put the amps behind me, but I couldn't move the PA system ever. 
So anyway, I don't know what the hell you saying. He wouldn't about. put me in a monitor, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there have been a few times. There have definitely been shows afterwards where I was like, wow, I know the words to that song now, Casey. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. He was playing tracks as a drummer. Sometimes you just don't catch the lyrics, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of being noisy and stuff like that, you you like to you like to get pedals that quote unquote fuck your sound up. Yeah, you gotta. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta. Subtle pedals are bullshit. Yeah. Don't I mean like obviously if you can play really well, then a compressor is gonna help you. But since I can't play well, like I just want to like jack up the sound. You know, I love I. I love alien sounds. I love making sounds no one else can make and like utilizing it in a creative way. But I always try to have a good part before I put a pedal on it. I never like write a part to have a pedal on it. It's got to be cool to start with. You, know? you write typically unplugged, right? Yeah. Well, like half the songs were either like completely written like me and jack in a room jamming it out and then like others you know i'd like write it on my own and bring it in and we'd change something here and there but like stuff like oh man that was like completely instrumentally like me and jack in his bedroom yeah. and then i'd like with Every the song's got a different story exactly but i my favorite ones are like that and i wait i'd get the voice memo and i'd go for like hour like hours long walks listening to the voice memo over and over and that's how i'd like write the lyrics and stuff so yeah it's a very collaborative process and that's now that we're in different areas that's kind of why i had to stop yeah. but yeah it ain't, it ain't rocco english about all three of us exactly. for sure exactly you guys are already planning a reunion tour or something? Tour yeah, might be a stretch. Yeah. We, we'd love to play a show to celebrate the release. It's just it's just difficult, but whenever whenever we get the opportunity, we're going to do it, guys. So, sorry we're... <laughs> stoned. <laughs> so what was the story behind that sign? Was that at a house party? It's at a house show at Jin and Logan and a couple other people's house. Jin's recorded us before. Shout out to Jin. Jin helped us demo out this record. He, I mean, he was there, he did a, he was the first person to record Milkbone and Hey Asshole and stuff. And he helped us re-record Wildlife and All Men and Nancy Reagan, which we haven't released, but people who've been to our shows know that's a great cam song. And yeah, that was just the sign they had in their house and they used to put on the best house shows. like. Um, Jin is crazy because he absolutely like loves music and loves recording it and producing it but he's like completely sober he's just like <laughs> high on life so he would organize the best house shows like he'd have signs about parking like where not to park and he'd always be available if like cops showed up and he'd talk to the neighbors and like help like sick people out but yeah those shows were excellent yeah that, that was a really fun show that was that might have been the first show where someone came out to me afterwards and he's like damn you're snare drum and like if you're a drummer you know that's pretty much the biggest compliment you could get i mean i definitely t i remember that show i specifically spent a little bit extra time tuning it but it was the room and it was coming from someone that i is a musician so i was like very very appreciative so speak like psychs in the band and sound and drugs and how does that play into the music and like your guys's relationship i mean i mean yeah obviously we're in college together so like that's like a part of growing up together and like how we got into music obviously like 
it kind of opens your mind up to be receptive to art and like really have it resonate with you and um I don't know it just lets you take things apart in a different way and I mean that's part of why we formed the band was we were like all right we can we can do this like we would listen to records together you know and be like actually like we want to do this and like this is done by people and like we can figure it out too that's Um, the biggest thing about music that that definitely is reminding me of a time but it's just people doing it anyone can do it of course it's always going to have a different level of quality but you can just do it you just have to do it yeah and like um obviously as we get older we're probably consuming less cannabis as a rule but uh like back in the day like that's i don't know that's how we would write a lot of stuff and figure it out but I don't know. There's a place for everything. Obviously, drinking at shows like kind of can, <laughs> kind of can change things for you. I mean, many times, Casey's like, "Don't drink, don't smoke." And I'm just like, "Yeah." <laughs> I, I was trying to have some air of professionalism, but you know, like any kind of, any kind of mind altering, I think is good for creativity. I don't think it's a crutch, and I don't think it'll make you good. Like. There's ton- tons of people who are stoned writing bad music. It's just a new, per- it's a different perspective. Yeah. And you can get there a lot of ways. Like, right now I get there through like exercise and stuff. Like, it's kind of just giving yourself a new experience and like allowing yourself to be open. Cause a lot of art is just not censoring yourself. You know, it's like tuning into this feeling, it's tuning into whatever's happening or tuning into like this riff or fill you hear in your head and like not stopping yourself from doing it and workshopping it until it's actually like as good as you imagined it. So, yeah. So, uh, uh, pot. Right. So, yeah, right. So, pot. My dad. <laughs> trying to be employable, Andrew, but yes. <laughs> no, yeah, professionalism and everything, but it, it plays such a big role, like, in a lot of musicians' uh, mindsets, and a lot of people do see it as kind of like a crutch, and I think it's kind of, I'm going to say brave that you would go so far as to say that, you know, you're cutting back and you feel comfortable doing that and putting that energy out there and maybe even spreading that energy because so many people feel like it is a crutch and they can't be creative or they need it and it gets like this weird rap where people don't think you can get addicted to it and all this stuff but it's it's a a new perspective and i just wanted to get your guys opinion on it yeah i think i mean obviously it's like when you're a teenager and you get high it's like a new experience and you feel like you're like opening yourself to something you haven't got before but like I don't know. You can definitely use it to close yourself off as time goes on, you know? Like, there's definitely a time and place for everything, and you can totally abuse it. So, yeah. It's just hard growing up during criminalization, you know, being told it's the worst thing in the fucking world, and never, you know, people go get, like, shit-faced at bars and, like, destroy themselves. And so when weed's not bad, you're like, oh, how could this be bad? But, you know, it's, it's a more subtle thing as time goes on you know so yeah do whatever you want to do (laughs) do what feels good as my mom says be smart be safe yeah yeah and and listen to yourself if something in your brain's telling you to change something like don't be afraid like and that can take time too Mm -hmm. take a lot of time 
all the time in the world. <laughs> so, most of the cats, you guys are big fans of cats. Most of the cats oh, photoed throughout the, the years that you guys have been together have been yours? Right. Either Foster or... Yeah, well, I got into fostering after the band during COVID, but yeah, I didn't have cats growing up, but my partner Dempsey has always been into cats, so... Definitely, we got a little bit of Gato English vibes, but Jack's very allergic. I, yeah, but I, I, they have two great cats, Josie and Poncho. As, so, as soon as I came in, Josie recognized me. Poncho was a little bit spooked, but as soon as I got down, he was like, oh, I'm, I'm ready for some pets now, Jack. You just gotta watch your hands afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. God, I love animals. I, I didn't really have, I mean, I had a, pets at my dad's, but I mostly stayed with my mom, so. I never really had that responsibility for another thing, and I was really afraid of it. And like, honestly, it has its drawbacks. Like, Poncho has a UTI. We've probably spent close to a thousand dollars on between the two of us. But you know, it's good. It's good to have something unconditionally love you and take responsibility for it. I think it's part of growing up. Speaking of animals, yeah, yeah beautiful dog. <laughs> I love dogs. Yeah, dogs are, dogs are great. Animals are great. They are. Yeah, we were on the car ride. We spent a good time talking about, uh, I'll just give them a shout out, the Urban Rescue Ranch. Oh, yeah. Honestly, <clears throat> that's similar because it's basically DIY animal rescue. We're talking about DIY music, and he's got, like, kangaroos. He's got chickens. He's, he's got a dog. He's got, he's got a bunch of animals. Yeah. Yeah. Can I take you guys all the way back? Take me back. So, the name. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, like, Rolling Rocks beer, the bench, which is it? Was it something else? It's, alright, so we've gone through many different names. It's definitely, um, it's, I guess I have to choose my words a little bit here. It's inspired by the, the local UCF region, Orlando, State Farm Insurance agent, Rocco English. And we went through many names, and just one day we were driving, and like you we spent signs. I, think. We I think I was in a car okay. in the back we seat. We did not own cars at the time. Yeah, <laughs> and I just see the sign. I'm like, wait, that's perfect. If we just change the second C to a K, it's Rocco English, and that that's that's where the name came from from State Farm Insurance agent. I hope he doesn't. Uh, he it's been a long us. enough time. He yeah. doesn't care. He knows about us. He, doesn't care. he hasn't said anything ever in the past. Have you met him? No. No, I've heard he's not the greatest yeah, guy, we, though. Yeah, we haven't heard the best reviews about him as a person, but I'm sure I'm sure he's good enough to let us keep using this name, you know? And that's all we can ask for in this crazy world. Yeah. I mean, before, we were Harrison Richard. <laughs> you get it? <laughs> We're just, just, we liked Harry Dick, you know? And then someone had an open mic. We played an open mic with a cajon. The and one and only time you'll catch me playing a cajon, guys. Never yeah. again. We, someone called us Harrison Ford. They read it wrong. I think that's still a great name. No, I wasn't playing a cajon. I was playing the melodica at that show. That was at yeah. Wackadoos. Rest in peace, Wackadoos. Rest in peace. But yeah. So... We had a lot of bad names, and then once we had Rocco English, they clicked. Yeah. They clicked. Gotta have a great name. <laughs> it's the foundation of any band. <laughs> exactly. What are some of, of your favorite band names like that you listen to? 
Or don't even listen to, just maybe you like the band name and you hate the music. Oh, dude, one of my favorite bands of all time, one of the best names of all time, Perfect Pussy, dude. Like, come on, like, they were just so, like, they're very, they were a very confrontational, like, noise punk band, and, like, you got that from, like, the name, like, they didn't give a fuck. I think that's a really good name. I'll give one answer for a really good name, Perfect Pussy, dude. You got the alliteration, too. I can't really think of anything right now. Band names are so difficult. I have a list of them going on now, going on in my phone right now. You guys were working on alternate band names like right when we walked up, right? New band names. No, just in case for for you know, just in the future, so I so we won't need to spend months like cycling through different band names. I'll have a list of them, and we'll we'll reach consensus to be like, all right, this is the band name. Yeah. You could always just random number generator it. That's never fun. No. Who did that? Childish Gambino? Didn't he get that from a Wu-Tang generator? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Wu-Tang and the 12 tracks cover album that you were going to record with samples of? Oh my god, you're going through my Instagram shit posts. Oh no. <laughs> what what did I say? What what was some lecture about teens and th- their first sexual encounters? Oh, John Green. Yes. Famous oh. young adult author John Green writing about teens losing their virginity. Yeah. It was uh, yeah. What was his science channel? Oh, that's not John, that's Hank. That's his brother, SciShow. I always yeah. thought they were the same person. No. No, I read a yeah, I read a lot of John Green growing up, and then like a little bit later on, I don't know. It was just thinking about writing teens fucking each other. I was a little weirded out, so I just decided to post about it one day. <laughs> just like cancer-ridden teens taking yeah. each other's virginity in Amsterdam, you know. So, yeah, it doesn't get much more romantic than that. No, it's beautiful. It made a whole made the whole nation cry, you know. <laughs> You guys do a lot of reading besides teens losing their virginity. Do you read, Jack? Um, not a whole lot of reading. I have to read enough for school. Um, one thing that me and Casey both read is um, A Song of Ice and Fire, which is um, more popularly known as Game of Thrones. <laughs> the show was really good up until season five, and then it just, like, people say, like, oh, the last season was bad. No, it was bad, like... At season five, guys. You should, honestly, if you enjoyed the show, you should really do yourself a favor and read the books. They're so much better. You'll never know the ending if you read the books, though, but oh well. Do you have a Deadpool on George R.R. Martin? Like, and do you think he's going to finish? Oh, we, I don't I think, think we I think Winds of Winter will come out, but Dream of String, no way. No way. No way. No way he finishes. I don't want him to get, I don't want that to get back to him. I'd never say that to his face. <laughs> like, enough people call him fat and, you know. Stop like, using your typewriter, bro. <laughs> he uses DOS, dude. He types with two fingers. So, and these massive books, yeah. Um, but I get, yeah, I, I guess I read a lot of fiction and nonfiction. I steal a lot of lyrics from, like, nonfiction books. I, like, there's... A lot of the early Rocco stuff is like from like my ecology textbooks. Like I'd find some like concept that really fascinated Sweet me. Spot. Yeah, Sweet Spot was written You're in a, a particle and a wave. Yeah, like I was learning about like the dual nature of light, and then like instead of taking notes, I was like, I'm gonna start writing lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. How many of Rocco English's lyrics were written in the middle of a class? Oh. 
so many it's a college band yeah like definitely like sweet spot and ding dong fang and everything's fine a lot of that was written in school i've come up with rhythms in class write them down on my phone using some sort of heuristic for it like i'll have like one two three four one two three four then i'll have like x's and letters below it what am I gonna do? Whip out voice memos and whip and like start beatboxing in the middle of class? I don't think so. Yeah, it's a little bit harder to be creative as a drummer in class. Yeah. Good thing we like counting. We yeah. Jack and I love metronomes. That's that's our thing. A lot of local yeah. bands don't use them. Love them, I guess. I mean, you need them, but at the same time, you don't. Um, a goal of probably both of ours is to record live without a metronome that's we that was one of the things we wanted to do for this album but um recording situations changed and that was no longer feasible yeah i wanted to do overdubs wanted to put samples on that you know weren't just sound but maybe contributed to the song like i'm proud of that when that happens when you can use a sample to like elevate the actual song content so Pretty cool. Pretty cool living in the space age and walking around with a phone and pointing it at stuff, and then it's on the record, yeah. you know. So noise recording. You guys mess with that a lot, or just kind of like here and there. Like like field field yeah, recording. Yeah, yeah. Jack. I mean, Jack had a skateboard yeah, sample, I mean, and everything's fine. That's pretty cool. Um, it's probably the only one. Yeah. Mine. I recorded, I don't know, whenever I would walk in the woods, I, that's a lot of the background noise on the actual album. There's a tea kettle on yeah, there somewhere. Those are all authentic. Authentic. Oh, original content. Yeah. And then, you know, there's some stuff we would like steal. Jokes on there. Yeah, we'd steal from YouTube videos or like interviews and stuff we like. But yeah, I, I always, if I hear a good sound, I'm going to point my phone at it and then you save it up for a couple of years and you can glue an album together with those samples, but yeah. So speaking of samples, the uh, the bank rant on uh, Where's My Guitar Asshole, right? Yeah, that that's Jack's sample. Yeah, that's definitely me. Um, that is from a video called the Fesh Pints of Blair. It's, 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 it's the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but there's like letters missing. Um, and yeah, that's like a 20 minute video. Um, it's YouTube poop. It's YouTube poop. It's the best YouTube poop though. So honestly, if you thought that was funny, you should watch that video. Yeah. Did you have to clear that? Did you run into any problems with that or no? We haven't yet. Where's some wood? Clear <laughs> <laughs> anything. Um, no. And like, like there was one song like before before Kill Bill Sound, we were gonna use the Kill Bill sample, and we kind of backed out and like. But otherwise, I don't know. I don't think anyone's gonna care. I think it's I don't. free publicity, <laughs> free exposure. You know, enough people did it to us. Now we can do it back. No, but yeah, I just we just live in an age where you can literally throw anything on a record, and it's like goes back to that David Byrne book about like use what's available to you, and like. It doesn't, you don't have to abuse it. You don't have to, it's nice to have that timeless factor of like this can happen whenever, but at the same time, if there's like a YouTube poop that means a lot to you, like you might as well throw it on the last song. And it kind of fits thematically in a weird way. And like yeah, afterwards we're like, yeah, it does fit. <laughs> Some, it's, I mean, it's the same way with like, 
like I'll write a part and then Jack had a rhythm and like you just throw it together and they were written independently and then there's this synergy that comes together from like jamming with people and taking advantage of that is like all you can do as an artist is just being open to that energy and like channeling it so yeah channeling energy your drag performances was that always a thing or was who inspired you like was that yeah so i don't know i definitely towards the end of rocco was gonna stop wearing dresses it's it's weird because i'm like a cishet white man and like i don't know i never i got we got a lot of love from like the queer community in orlando because of it and it always i don't know I'd well, I would always have to qualify like we're all three straight like men like and so it kind of felt weird as time went on but like I've always just had this like fascination with dresses and it felt like I was getting into like a character because I used to be very nervous before shows even in the first show we all wore like hats and stuff like we had like a good time yeah. and um so like it was definitely just like getting into a character and like also a way to get people to pay attention in a bar and stuff like for better or for worse like like men in public like it's considered unusual to wear dresses so like and that's part of why i start feeling weird about it at the end it's like are you playing into the stigma like are you like by show taking something that's not like my gender expression i don't know I, I might be overthinking it, but I think it's an important dialogue to have, but it comes from a very innocent place of just like wanting to express myself and like it's already so opening emo like opening myself emotionally to like sing these lyrics in front of people like you might as well kind of like bear it all and be like this is it like you know so complicated relationship with the dress no regrets you know Got a few of them my mom gave him yeah. one of the dresses that's the thing people would give me dresses like they would egg me on i got a dress from jack's mom my friend maya would give me dress alex our friend who took some early pictures of us and has always been a huge like supporter of our music they gave me a good dress and you know you just kind of pick them up as you go along so yeah did you ever wash any of these dresses? Not, no, no answer, no answer. <laughs> they were washed, they were washed way less than they should have been. That, they, were they, were, they were only worn for a little bit at a time. They were worn during the sweatiest parts <laughs> of my life. Yes, so, you know, it's nice to be able to change out when you get back into the audience, you know? There's that benefit, so. Yeah. I got a note in my phone for recording it was like bring extra socks i'm wet bring extra <laughs> underwear i'm very wet <laughs> you gotta have extra clothes you gotta have dry underoos you know but yeah is you know just growing up in a time it's a weird time you know like growing up like being gay was semi-normalized but like in my family you know like it still wasn't like an acceptable thing so a lot of me growing up was realizing like it's okay to be whatever you want and like I think it was kind of an embrace of that in a way so I always meant it in a respectful way I hope it came off that way that's pretty much it I don't know last question before we kind of wind down here okay. get some Chinese food we're getting Chinese food after this, yes. Chuan Lu, Chuan Lu, baby. Big, big, 
big fans of Chuan Lu. Oh, they used to have a location like next to UCF. I was close to my home and I would get there all the time and I would bring everyone over there. And then COVID happened and they closed and we would have to drive all the way out here to get it. And now we're out here, so we're gonna get some. Yeah. And you haven't had it? You've never had Chuan Lu? Oh. I hope it impresses. Yeah. We're glad to share it with you. <laughs> you guys like like Chinese takeout and stuff like that? We love food. Yeah. We, we like eating. I think that go, uh, maybe it ties into the pot, but... <laughs> <laughs> the pot! <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's just what parents call weed, you know? Pot just sounds cool. It, it does. I mean, what are you gonna do? Call it weed? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cannabis? Cannabis, yeah, let's be, let's be educated. Yeah. That's what, I feel like that's what, like, people who really should stop smoking weed call it cannabis. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh yeah, I'm a medical cannabis user. Not to, not to shit on people who legitimately use cannabis as medicine, but you know, there's, there's people out there in their basements who are calling it a medicine and they're kind of using it as a crutch to not face issues, so... That's who should stop calling it cannabis, is what I'm saying. Basement dwellers. <laughs> Nothing Aww, wrong. Not, yeah. I love a basement dweller. My best friends are basement dwellers. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't hurt to, you know, come out into the fresh air and, like, go for a run, you know? And weed doesn't always help with that, so. Another one I always like to call it was, I went through a phase where I called it greenery. Ooh. Um, What's that? De devil's lettuce. The devil's lettuce. Um, Australian guacamole. That one's interesting. That's I'm even classic. <laughs> um, swag. I got some swag. Candy. If you're around other people, you can just be a candy. What, what would Avery call it? Schweed? <laughs> we'd be in public just on a bus and he'd be like, do you guys want to smoke schweed? Like, <laughs> yeah, now, now we're adults and we can't do it as much. So. Yeah. Yeah, if any of my future employers are listening to this, you didn't hear any Give of this. Give me a this. test. Yeah, you know, yeah. Let me piss for you, you know? I think by then it'll be okay. Yeah. Why would you want to wish bodily harm, grievous bodily harm, against Jerry Seinfeld? Oh, dude, he's a fucker. <laughs> he's a fucker. He ruins things. Dude, if anything, okay. I'm a huge Larry David fan, you know. I love Curb Your Enthusiasm, and it's what I got into first. <laughs> and like, I w so I watched Curb before I watched Seinfeld, and then I went back to Seinfeld, and like, Jerry Seinfeld is so fucking annoying. Like, <laughs> and he was dating a high schooler. Like, I get it was the 90s, but he was like <laughs> fucking a high schooler, like at peak peak Seinfeld popularity like like and ever America was just like yeah funny man do that like <laughs> he's definitely I think the least talented member of the Seinfeld cast and for that I have wished nothing but bodily and have you seen comedians in cars getting coffee he's just like an insufferable person like I don't know I hate Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> do you think at this point it's almost like a character like Jerry Seinfeld? You think he's do you think he's doing a bit? He's Maybe I mean he's a comedian. He's dedicated. Yeah, and his comedy I don't know. I don't like observational comedy either, you know? He's like the prototypical airplane food kind of joke writer. Yeah. I I got a lot of 
I got a lot of hate for Jerry. And he's into, like, deluxe, like, sports cars. Like, what an uninteresting hobby. Like, <laughs> like you don't have to have any talent to drive, like, you know, a fancy car, you know, or to collect them. You just need money. So, Cars yeah. look cool. Cars look cool. Cars, okay. Cars as, look cool. Mate. <laughs> we, we commented it on your car because it's like the perfect touring car. You got the best. The cube. You've got the best band car possible. We Are played. You oh, yeah. Yeah. We used to stuff like three amps in there, a whole drum kit, and three members of a band. So, and a photographer sometimes. So, that's goals. We could, if we didn't have. If we would sacrifice one large object, we could all fit in one car, but we, we tended to take two just for comfort. And sometimes we bring friends back home with us or whatever. They were drinking at the show or something. Yeah. You need room for the homies. You got to bring the homies to the show because otherwise you're playing for the other bands. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, though. So you guys didn't grow up like in local scenes like that was kind of a later thing Yeah, and speaking of local scenes. Oh, Orlando is so amazing You mentioned how we've been all around Florida and just playing in other places in Florida just makes you so thankful We like came up in the Orlando scene. It's so welcoming to any kind of genre. It's so appreciative There's so many different venues to play at venues different bands like different sounds to hear but yeah, we didn't I'm very jealous of people who are like, yeah, I used to go to these DIY shows in middle school and like be scared. And like in high school, I started joining bands. Like we started, we played our first show when we were like 19. Like we feel like we had a delayed start, but never too late. You can always start a band. It's the cool thing. But yeah, once we got into it, I don't know. Music is more accessible now than ever before. Yeah. I guess we'll leave it at that. Rocco English till you die. You guys are one more time. Casey. And I'm Jack. And Cam is with us in yeah. spirit. I'm sad Cam's not here. I'm sure he'd have a lot to add to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the best. He's the best bass player, dude. He rocks. So we're very fortunate to have each other. And we're very fortunate that people supported us enough that we got to play for years and make a record. So super grateful. Take none of it for granted. Enjoy every second. Yeah. All right, thanks for being on the show, I guess. Thanks for having us. <laughs> and we're back. What'd you think? That was the show. That was Rocco English. They were great. I hope you liked them. I love them. I hope you loved them. And I hope you love them enough to follow them on... on <laughs> To follow them on social media, I guess to uh, to stay posted on uh, any updates regarding the farewell show. Go go show them some love. the 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 self titled project they released was phenomenal. I can't recommend it enough. Listen to it. Uh, get hype. Get ready for the the farewell show on June 21st featuring Jen in the Right Light, Adam Dive, and of course Rocco English. Uh, it's going to be great. I hope it's uh, I hope it's a real shindig. Go check them out. They've got some incredible material. Check out the new album. Uh, listen to them. Love them. And catch their farewell show. Uncle Lou's, uh, June 21st. 
don't miss it because it will be the final Rocco English show. If you haven't seen them, this is your last chance. Show up, have fun. Uh, that's what we do. That's what Rocco does. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, see you around. Come out to the show. Bye.